Losing my mom was a major turning point in my life. It really made me evaluate how I was living my life. It's one of the reasons why I do what I do today as a health coach. And I truly want to live my life to the fullest. So I was so thrilled to find this guest and do an interview for you guys. He is an absolutely amazing guest. Andrew Fuller is a clinical psychologist, and his newest book is Your Best Life at Any Age. So what you will hear is a wonderful, encouraging discussion about realizing what stage of life you're in so you can make little tweaks, small changes to shift your mindset, improve your relationships, and take control of your health. It's all about resiliency. You're going to love this today on Healthy Harmony. Hey there, welcome to the Healthy Harmony podcast. I'm Jennifer Pickett, your host, your health coach, your friend. If you're ready to tap into the healthiest version of you so you can live life with confidence and intentional harmony, then my friend, you're in the right place. As a dietitian turned functional medicine health coach, I'm here to walk beside you and show you how to take control of your complete health, body, mind, and soul. I want you to live a life you not only love, but a life where you're truly thriving. This podcast is real talk about real life. Simple, realistic strategies that will leave you feeling empowered as we dive into physical health, mental, emotional health, and spiritual health. Because addressing these areas equals intentional harmony, aka happiness, fulfillment, and confidence. Let's do this. Before we dig into this awesome interview, will you please do me a big favor? Will you please leave a five-star rating and a written review on the platform where you listen to this podcast? Okay, so it makes a big difference with the algorithm and the visibility. So that helps tremendously. Here's a recent review from listener Kim P. She said, I love Inspire Healthy Harmony. It is a great podcast and has great content. Love, love, love. Thank you, Kim. So y'all follow Kim's lead and leave a rating and review. Now let's get started with today's show. Andrew Fuller has recently described, been described as someone who puts the heart back into psychology. As a clinical psychologist, Andrew Fuller works with many different schools and communities in Australia and internationally, and he specializes in the well-being of young people and their families. He is a fellow of the Department of Psychiatry and the Department of Learning and Educational Development at the University of Melbourne. Andrew Fuller has a new book, Your Best Life at Any Age, How to Acknowledge Your Past, Revive Your Present, and Realize Your Future. For this book, Andrew interviewed more than 500,000 people to trace the most commonly identifiable stages of life. He drew upon his years of practical experience and the combined wisdom of those thousands of life patterns that he studied. Andrew created a blueprint for life that can help us all 
make the most of it at any age. He says that knowing the common pitfalls and traps that one can fall into at certain age can illuminate your thinking and lead you to a future you may have never envisioned for yourself. I am honored to have Andrew Fuller, clinical psychologist here with me today, and he is joining. This is Texas, joins Australia today on the Healthy Harmony podcast. So, Andrew Fuller, welcome. How are you today? Should I say good day? in the Australian accent. Yes, please. (laughs) Please. Hello, it's great to be with you, Jennifer, and everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, you have a brand new book, Your Best Life at Any Age, How to Acknowledge Your Past, Revive Your Present, and Realize Your Future. Here's what got my attention about this book. You interviewed over 500,000 people to trace the most commonly identifiable stages of life. So how in the world did you set out to interview half a million people? What did that look like? <laughs> it was easy peasy in some way. So let me let me explain <laughs> the background. I started out my career in psychiatric crisis teams where I'd be on bridges with people who were looking rather too intently for my liking at the bottom of the bridge. And uh, I was very fortunate nobody ever did anything to harm themselves. But it made me fascinated in how you stop people getting to that part of their lives or that crisis point. And that then led me to really research resilience, of course, and basically become, um, well, very fortunate enough to run workshops right around the world in terms of that area. And when you run workshops on resilience, people are very kind and they do things for you. And one of the things that they do for you is they map their lives and they tell you stories about their lives. And ultimately, of course, that became 500,000 people who'd done this sort of process and so I was able to start to gather it together in some sort of coherent way in a book called Your Best Life at Any Age. So that's the the story. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. And you know, you used one of my absolute favorite words and that word is resilience. It's not that we can avoid the stress, the overwhelm, the anxiety, the bad things that happen how can we come back from that? And that's why I just I love that word resilience. I've, I've seen you use that word on your website and in other teachings. And so I think that word is just absolutely pivotal. So as you interviewed all these people, were there any surprising discoveries? What stood out to you? How long have we got? Um, <laughs> so Jennifer, I ended up uh, from that from that kind of moment of being on bridges and so on, uh, really trying to have a mission of creating futures with people that they can fall in love with. And that was what I was thinking about. So I then defined resilience as the happy knack of being able to bungee jump to the pitfalls of life. It's almost as if you've got this elasticized rope around you that draws you back after times of difficulty and hardship. So, So essentially looking at life mapping, the first thing, of course, that we that we started to discover, which I hadn't really thought about at all, was that families have time bombs. And what happens when you're lying in that crib or that bassinet or that cot and looking so cute and adorable, you're not just gurgling away, you're actually being a very astute observer of life. And one of the things that we Mm. all observe as babies is ages and what age do you do particular things and while 
because of course at that stage you're pre-verbal so you're not kind of really processing it but you absorb it nevertheless and so as we looked at people's lives and then looked at their parents lives we'd often find that there were key ages in any family and they were implicit they were basically this is the age in this family where you leave home or you get married or you have children or you split up or you uh, basically um, get old or frail or retire. Mm -hmm. And so every family I think that I've ever encountered has these little hidden time bombs. Now, they can be good, but they can also be disastrous. And so one of the things that's useful is to start to uncover those patterns in families. That's so interesting. Those time, those those time. You said a time bomb, mm. right? It, it just said those different. I mean, that's very fascinating to me. So, um, your goal was to understand just how people deal with that passage of time. And you're right; we're all kind of stuck in that in that time to understand the stages of life. And you've said before because you've discovered that understanding what stage one is in will lead them to making changes that can improve our relationships, create better health, and develop a more resilient mindset. And that is so fascinating to me. So tell me, just let's just go a little bit more in depth to that. Sure. Um, which bit would you like to begin with, Jennifer? So, I think uh, let's start with the uh, create better health. So basically life is an improvisational art. And so essentially life throws up at you different challenges at different times of life. Now, humans have been doing this thing called human life for a long time now. And so there are some set patterns. They're not set in concrete, but we know that basically the things that you need to do to advance your well-being uh, and your health at various stages differs. And so one of the, the classic errors I think that most of the people that I've worked with have made is to assume that the life in the future will be pretty much what life is like now. And that's not true. And so unless you actually put in some planning to think about how to maintain, sustain, or even increase your health, you tend to let it slide a bit. And so thinking about the sorts of exercise, the sorts of activities that engage you, say, as a 16-year-old, should be very different than those that engage a 46-year-old or a 66-year-old. And so just starting to be, to some extent, mindful of what phase of life you're in, and because otherwise you can sort of start acting like a teenager when you know, do yourself an awful lot of damage, um, and that would be yes. that's silly because you then have just a setback and you can't do anything. Um, and so you've really got to shape your, so, you know, for example, we know that in the more senior years of life, having certainly vigorous walking is incredibly valuable, but we also know that some minimal weight work makes a gigantic difference. And, of course, if you've got access to a swimming Definitely. pool, it's incredible. But also the social connections that go along with those things okay. are also just as important. And so trying to put those key bits into place. So, you know, you don't want to be on a skate park when you're 60. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, what I'm what I'm thinking of is we just kind of get stuck in that complacency that we and assuming, as you said, that life in the future will be will be just like life as it is right now, unless we do something. And it's that doing something where we get stuck. So how do we get unstuck? 
if we're if, if we're experiencing these different challenges, how can we get unstuck so that life in the future can look different? Well, in a funny kind of way, it requires us to look into the past first. I think there's a great value in mapping your life and basically going back. And in the book, I, I talk about this a lot, but a set, it's a very simple process, really. What you do is you draw a graph of, you know, a vertical axis is sort of tens, your highest well-being and zero is your least time of well-being. We've all had probably a time of zero, even though we don't want to admit it. So it's relative to you. And then across the years, you start to map, well, when were the times when I was really looking after myself? And when were the times when I didn't? And of course, we've all had times when we didn't. That's okay. That's just part of humanity, really. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's not about kicking yourself about those times. It's about going, okay, well, what what have I noticed about this pattern? And then you might want to look at your family's pattern and go, well, when did people in my family typically stop taking care of themselves? Now, one of the things that we know is that when we have tough times, when we have traumatic times, we tend to store it in our bodies. And we often, often when people look back and they go, well, I've gained a whole lot of weight around that time or I became incredibly unfit around that time. And then when we uncover it in my in my therapeutic work, we often uncover that, that basically that was a time of great emotional difficulty for people. And so unless mm-hmm. you can, can kind of clear that time, it's hard to get a kickstart into your future. So in, in a way, sitting back and taking stock of yourself, not in a kind of looking in the mirror and sighing, but in a way of thinking about your life and what the patterns have been is helpful because that then allows you to step forward into the future and create a well-being plan for yourself. Oh, yes, I love that. And it's something that that's uh, that I'm doing daily with my coaching clients is can we develop that mindfulness? Okay, where am I at? What's my pattern? What's my family's pattern? What bad habits have I fallen into? And taking into account the challenges that we've had in life and looking at what that's done to the body. And so often I will ask a client, okay, was there a time that you had a really good morning routine? What did that look like? But most importantly, what did that feel like? And can we go back to how that felt and how it made your day start very positively? You felt stronger. You felt more confident that you were moving forward on your health journey just by starting off your morning strong. So I think that that mindfulness of looking at where we're at and what is influencing our life really helps us to be more intentional about our future. And that's what it is. It sounds like that's what you're talking about here is how can we be more intentional and and create a more resilient future? Yes, that's right. So that basically, you know, I think we're all a bit like plants. So if you've ever been to a garden nursery and bought a plant, it's probably likely that it came with a sort of some instructions. If you plant this plant in the shade and give it lots of water, it will flourish. And so it specified the optimal growing conditions for that plant. Now, we're like that plant. We all have optimal growing conditions. And it's worth taking some time to think about what they may look like for you because they differ. So while what will work for me won't necessarily work for anybody else, it's worth thinking about what what stage of life and what are the processes, but what are also the lessons from your past about what those optimal growing conditions might look like. Now, we all have blockages, and so it's interesting how while we can have the best of intentions, quite often it's difficult to follow through. And that's the thing perhaps that we need to become 
a bit aware of, not blaming ourselves about, but essentially just aware mm-hmm. that there are patterns in life. There are times when we drop the ball and give up and you know do other things and get too busy and all, we all are at risk of that from time to time. But we need to then be mindful of those or aware of those so we can then go, okay, yes, that distracts me and my family basically had a pattern where they all got tired and exhausted at 42 and, you know, whatever it might be. And so you're starting then to kind of, just embrace your life as it is and then go, okay, what's what's down the track? What do I want to look at? And so one of the values of your best life at any age is that it's almost like being able to look around the corner into the future because I think it's very helpful to see how many people have managed different stages of their lives. And so in the book, and I didn't start out with this theory, but I basically as I, as I looked at 500,000 life maps, it fell roughly into about a seven-year cycle of life, that about every seven years you get a chance to reorient or re, uh, reconsider your life in a very powerful way. And so often the turning points that occurred for people in their lives was roughly, I mean, people obviously have individual individual lives, but roughly about every seven years. And so while we're not trapped into waiting for another six years before you can change anything, it does mean that that seven-year cycle typically requires you to think about particular things and emphasise them for your well-being. And so, for example, if we take the time between, I'm sure, Jennifer, this is nowhere near your current age, say, say 49 to 56, which is a time of turmoil in many people's lives where they mm-hmm. have to reinvent who they really are. And partly it's... It's uh, an inward journey, so it's thinking about basically who do I want to be, what are the values that I represent, but it's then also about creativity, and so it's not just about slogging it out and sort of, you know, just exercising for your own sake. It's thinking how do I embrace some creative pursuit that relates to some physical activity as well. So just being aware of what those stages are makes a gigantic difference. It really, really does. And I think it's just being um, self-aware and reflecting on your life, reflecting on your family and your your tendencies. Again, that mindfulness is so powerful. You said so many wonderful things there. Um, the internal battle really stood out to me that you said that uh, most of us, an internal battle occurs right in, you know, right around our, our 50s. Um, so go more into, for that person they are right there. They are having that internal battle. They, I mean, you, we can call it a midlife crisis, whatever we want to call it, but they just feel stuck. They know they need to do something different. What would you tell that person? What is their next step? So that's right. They're, they're all at sea. So basically what we typically find is that people hit points of their lives where they're betwixt and between. They're bewildered. They're just not sure how to move. What's the next step? And, mm-hmm. okay, yes, we can kind of then urge them on and say, do this, but in a way, if unless it's the right thing for them to do, it won't sustain. And so what they have to do first is a process of going within themselves and starting to think about what aspects of their life to this stage do they want to live beyond this stage and what parts of ourselves have passed their use-by date. And I think it's important to kind of, it's almost like doing an internal stock take, isn't it, and going, okay, well, 
Yes. There are some parts of ourselves that just basically we don't need anymore and we need to fare well. And so, for example, if you've been, say, a, a mother and you've been raising kids and you've been taking care of partners and you've been managing a household and so on, hopefully there comes a point where that job is not as needed in your life. And it's hard because it's a bit heartbreaking to fare well that phase of life. But unless you do that properly, you can just be on endless repeat. And so it's partly going, okay, well, your devotion to others is not necessarily going to be the same as it was in the past. doesn't mean it lessens, but it changes. So how do we change that and how do we incorporate into it uh, devotion or, you know, at least some revere of yourself? And I find particularly the women find that transition quite difficult because it is hard Mm -hmm. after a life of focus on everybody else to spend some time focused on you. And so they often yes. have to then do a, that stock take with somebody who's caring enough to say, you don't need to rush to an answer, but you do need to take the time to investigate it and be curious about it. Most definitely. I hear you. And I can I can feel our listeners just kind of leaning in a little bit because I think that's where a lot of women are at. The ones that listen to this show, they're like, oh, goodness, mm-hmm. I've been I've spent my whole life taking care of everyone else. And I have found that my health has slipped to the side and I know I need to do something, but my role is different. So you reference just kind of saying goodbye to that phase of life. What does that look like to say goodbye to that phase of life and look forward with hope and anticipation to the next phase of life? Well, the first thing that surprises people is there is a sadness about it because, of course, it's an indication that time is passing and roles have changed. And so we need to be respectful of the sadness of, leaving your role as much as embracing the future. And I think it's okay to take some time to go, okay, well, you know, I've done that part of my life well. I, you know, I need to celebrate it. Uh, and I will be a bit sad that basically they don't need me in quite the same way that they did, even though it probably drove me nuts at times. Um, and now I need to sort of start a ritual which will help me to move to the next part. And so that ritual tends to be a very small shift It may be life mapping. It may be thinking about just taking some time to consider and and look at your life and review all the photo albums and kind of consider where you've been. But it can just be saying, okay, well, I'm going to start to basically, you know, walk an extra mile or so a day. or or So it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't want to kind of charge into something full-headed and full of steam and kind of... (laughs) join up, sign up for this and sign up for that. You can do that if you like. Some people thrive on that. But but often when you do that, it runs out of puff fairly quickly because it's not got the real yes. inner truth around it, I think. And so it's got to be fun for you. There's no point, you know, enslaving yourself to something that's going to make you miserable or another form of duty and obligation. I love that. It does. It, it, there needs to be some joy involved. And I think it's it's so important, you know, what you said, to acknowledge the sadness, to acknowledge the, the emotions that go with that. Yes, it's sad that that phase of life is over, that the kids are, are growing. And, you know, because I know we're in the phase of life. We have teenagers. God help us. We have two cats, two dogs and two teenagers. So it gets a little bit chaotic. And then sometimes I just pause and I think, 
we're going to miss this because I think the older the kids get, the more I realize this is going by so quickly, like cherish it. Um, and I think it's okay because sometimes we get a little bit sad that they're not little anymore. You see, I could entertain them with some popsicles and some some fun little, you know, water balloons and water toys and everything. Everybody was happy and they're, everything's different now. But it's I think it's having that joy in life, enjoying the phase you're in. And when that phase is over, looking and saying, yes, there's sadness, but there is there's hope and there's promise in the future. And what do I need to do different so that I can move forward with resilience? So I'm just I'm loving this conversation. You have such a a, a, a way of encouraging and, and a soothing uh, way that you speak. So I know our listeners are going to really enjoy this. So one of my last questions is, how would you suggest someone live their life to the fullest, regardless of the stage that they're currently in their, or their current circumstances? I think at, at various points. It's, well, the first thing I think is really useful to do. Actually, can I just say one more thing about that, Jennifer, that basically when you move away from an area yes. and start something else, often there's a feeling, <clears throat> excuse me, a feeling of betraying someone. It's almost as if you've been so devoted to other people that somehow the focus on yourself is a betrayal. And I think it's important to realise that your mm, heart okay. is big enough to love more than just one person or one group. You can actually enlarge your heart to love yourself as well. Okay? Um, so basic. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. I love that. <laughs> and so I think it's important to do a couple of quick quick things as you start to think about it. The first critical one is what were my parents doing when they were my current age and is that what I want to do or not? Because, of course, that's the family time bombs, right? So uncovering that is incredibly important. And then it's basically thinking, well, what are the major questions that have ruled my life? And that might be making money, it might be being a professional, it might be having a great relationship, it might be raising children, who knows what it is, okay? And that's fantastic. They're the major questions that have basically preoccupied my life up until now. Then the second question really is what were the questions that didn't get answered because you were busy doing those first set. And that will be the childhood dreams, the things that as a young teenager you thought about doing and never really flourished. And I think it's important to access some of those things that got got a bit sort of squished along the way in the busyness of life because there is a time to reinvent them, to revitalize them, and to bring some of those back into your life. There are some you probably shouldn't as well, but they're, they're so be discerning. But at the same time, yes. <laughs> you know, um, it's important to kind of start to embrace some of that earlier spirit because what that does is it reanimates people, it re-enlivens them so that they're filled not just with the sort of duty of being an adult who's cared for everybody else and taken all the sort of responsible measures, but there's another part of them which is prepared to dream a bit more wildly. And I think when we take care of ourselves, we do that a bit, really. We do dream wildly on our own behalf, and I think that's such an important thing to do. Uh, Just so powerful. This has been, this conversation has been just absolutely Excellent. I think it's been so encouraging and exactly what people need to hear, because I think so many people just feel 
stuck. They are mired down by the challenges and the hardships of this life, and they don't know how to move forward. So I think you've given them just a very, very clear um, understanding of what they need to do to honor themselves and move forward. And I love that. I love that word, revitalize. So you're using some of these keywords that I use often that I, that I love. Um, so as we wrap up today, uh, is there any other words of encouragement that you would give our listeners? Well, one of the things that I often say to people and suggest to them is never to lose sight of their dreams. And I think Life has a nasty way of knocking some of our dreams away from us. And I think it's important just at times to reconnect that. I just love that. Never lose sight of your dreams. Andrew Fuller, this has been absolutely amazing. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. I know our listeners are going to want to connect with you. And thank goodness for our social media and email and technology, because it doesn't matter where we're located, we can easily do that. So please tell people where they can connect with you. And most importantly, where they can buy your book. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been a total delight, this conversation. I agree. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I've... Thank you. So, um, yes, uh, andrewfuller.com.au the Australian add-on of AU uh, is one place where you can get a whole lot of free downloads Um, Your Best Life at Any Age I think is available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble all good and bad bookshops as far as I know Um, so uh, that would be worth having a look at and considering just the knowledge of 500,000 people and how that might be able to help you out Um, But also I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and all those usual suspects. So um, look me up and link with me. That would be fantastic. Wonderful. And I'll make sure to link all of those things in the show notes so you guys can easily go there and click and connect with Andrew Fuller. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you. That's a lot, Jennifer. Thanks. I just loved that interview. And since I recorded it a few weeks ago, I've been so excited for you to hear it. So I cannot wait to hear your feedback. Now, Andrew has provided a fantastic handout for my listeners. I'm going to post that on our community page, Functional Medicine for Weight Loss, Body, Mind, Soul, Wellness for Women. If you're not a part of that page, Girl, you're missing out and you're going to miss out on this incredible tool that he provided just for us. So go to bit.ly forward slash FM Women's Wellness. Again, that's FM Women's Wellness. I'll link it in the show notes and join this amazing community today. Like right now, sister. Okay, go join right now because I want you to be a part of this. So until I see you again in two weeks, where our topic is living in freedom, don't let your health hold you back. I want you to go out there and live life to the fullest. So I'll see you again in two weeks. Y'all have a great day.